So, uh, yeah, today's my birthday. Congratulations. And you wouldn't believe what I got. A new giraffe? Close. Uh, someone bought me all this Apple stuff, so I threw out all my old stuff, so now I'm, you know, programming for iPhones and Ooh, nice. Did you get an iPhone 5? Yeah. Very and, nice. And I, and I also have a prototype iPhone 6. Ooh. And I have I... so many iMacs. Send send one my over send one my way so I can throw out all my Windows stuff. Can do, sir. Sounds good. This is Apple Structure Episode 20, Pittsburgh Hipster, for April 1st, 2013, with host Christopher Thompson and guest Andrew Bailey, and now with blinking lights around it. the iPads. Hmm. Yeah, I have so many. Well, by so many, I mean one. Um, I'm not sure what I can do with it. I mean, you know, I've I've been trying to edit video on it, but it's not too snappy. I, th- I thought Mac was supposed to be a great movie-making software or something. Yeah, me too. But it's failing so hard. Uh, oh well. But at least, at you know, so now I can be a Pittsburgh hipster. <laughs> oh, lol. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, how, how old are you? I am now 25. Ah, so you're older than me. Congratulations. So, thank you. Um, so, incidentally, yesterday being Easter, um, I, uh, went out, uh, to eat with, uh, like, the pastor and his family and, like, a few other people. Uh, you know, this is just to fulfill our, uh, obligation to our nickname here. Uh, to this, uh, one restaurant that's, like, really expensive, but it was really good. Uh... So, like, we were just, you know, sitting sitting around there, and, like, the table has, like, these, uh, cooking, like, it's essentially like a stove on the table, and you, uh, like, dip your stuff down into, like, boiling water and, like, leave it there for a few minutes so it gets cooked. So, and, uh, like, for appetizers, it was, like, a cheese fondue. Man, that stuff was great. Huh, interesting. So, and, uh, uh, let's see, I'm not, I, I I forget we were laughing, but what we, oh, crap. I'm getting griefed by mom, hang on. Alright. Actually, not mom, that's my brother.
Okay. Uh, he can leave. Wait, you have a brother? Yes. Lo and behold, I do have one brother. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know about him either. <laughs> so it's just it was just that you know uh, every September I had to go over to Columbus and move this guy's stuff. Um, he seemed to be sort of family or something, but, uh, and then mom would say, is like, put your arm around him so we can take a picture. And he'd always uh, yell at me, don't touch me. Huh. Interesting. So, <sighs> so anyway, with, uh, my new iPhone, uh, maybe I can go up to the top of a pyramid and take some pictures. That would be possible. Yes, it would. So, apparently, uh, a few Russians, uh, went to Cairo and, uh, climbed the pyramids. Uh, they had to, like, sneak around a little bit because, like, there's guards and stuff. But, uh, I hear that, like, if you can bribe the guards, which is apparently pretty easy, you can, like, climb the pyramids for a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure, because, come on, what are they going to do to the pyramid? Well, apparently... Carve your name in it like everybody else does? Well, apparently, like, the limestone they're made out of is kind of brittle by this point. Oh. So. But, I mean, they're pretty sturdy from the looks of it. I mean, you know... They're made out of stone, and they have stood there for thousands of years, so... Correct. Yep. So, yeah, since it's like the step pyramid does look a little bit brittle. Yeah. On picture number seven. Yep. So, that's interesting to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what about this uh, planet explorer? Ah, yes. If you remember last week, I did a Kickstarter on Planet Explorers, and well, I didn't give it the attention it deserved, because, man, I gotta say, what an epically awesome game after playing the Alpha 5.51. I got, I'll I'll sum it into a few words. Spore meets Minecraft meets Monster Hunter. Hmm. Yep. The A lot of the monsters look like they came from Spore. You had the building capabilities and the mining of the in- environment from Minecraft. And then it's a great exploration game where you go around killing monsters so you can get ingredients, so you can up your armor and stuff, which is just like Monster Hunter. Hmm. So, fantastic game. And then we have a new Kickstarter, Consortium. This one includes, uh, its music is done by Jeremy Soule. Which is our favorite composer. Correct. And if you may not have read from his Kickstarter, he had been ranked number five. Yep. In uh, UK. 
out of like uh, composers of all time. Correct. So, so this consortium looks like it's it's kind of an interesting concept. It's you as a player going into a parallel world, taking over somebody else known as Bishop Six. And you can actually, like some of the stuff you say in the game, can refer to yourself that you are, in fact, taking over somebody else. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. But it seems like you control a plane of highly super classified stuff. Think, think Eureka on a plane or XCOM on a plane. Uh, what about snakes on a plane? Uh, no. <laughs> you, 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 do, you do have bad guys, but you get to shoot them, or you can incap- in, incapacitate them, so you can actually go the entire game without killing a single person. Well, that uh, sounds pretty cool. Yep. Enemies also seem to react more to depending on what you're doing. So if you're a stone killer, they might flee. Hmm. So, so uh, uh, another update. Uh, if you remember uh, Netgain and uh, John Gosling. Netgain. Yes, uh, his uh, funding concluded, was it yesterday or day before? Uh uh, of course, successful. Uh, two hundred twenty-five percent funded. Uh, that would be a thirty thirty-six thousand sixty-six dollars pledged. Mm, and uh, nice. apparently, he is taking additional uh, funding via uh, PayPal. PayPal. As well. Yeah. Yep. And, and it is on Greenlight. So get on to Steam Greenlight and uh, vote it up. I uh, did that. I did too. Well, according to him, the first prototype will be out in November. No, not November. I think it's June. June. Yeah. I I I I want to contact them and see if it can get released earlier. Cause man, I'm going on vacation right at the end of May. <laughs> so. And oh man, I would just love to have that. To play.
Raspberry? Raspberry! 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 Ow. <laughs> I think I popped uh, my elbow. I uh, turn away from the microphone to cough. Uh, and, uh, bad Chris. So, anyways, as according to the original plan for the Raspberry Pi, uh, there was going to be two models, uh, the Model A and Model B. The Model B has more stuff on it, namely two USB ports and an Ethernet port, uh, whereas the Model A is sort of a stripped down um, without the Ethernet port and just one USB and for 10 bucks cheaper. Uh, so that so now the Model A is finally being sold. Uh, however, it's uh, it gets sold out pretty quickly whenever it does come into stock. So uh, now you know if you've uh, you know if you remember uh, Raspberry Pi has sold over 1 million units and it's over a year old now and it's still being sold out. So, well, this is another model of it, so, you know. Well, I'll, I'll be really happy when Model X comes out. Well, they're not going that far. Uh, so, so. so they won't have Model E and Model S? No, they won't have a, anything other than the A and B. So, uh, you, How much do you want to bet that they'll come out with a different model? Hmm... Not sure, but uh, if there's something else that's sort of like a Raspberry Pi, but with, say, a Tegra chip on it, I'd be interested. A what chip? A Tegra chip. Uh, that's the uh, NVIDIA processor. Mm, so, interesting. Well, why don't you start up a Kickstarter and make one? Uh, because I have absolutely no hardware engineering capability, nor do so. I... Nor do I really know anyone who does. Hmm. I can think of a half dozen people I know. Um. Anyways, uh, I heard that Spam House got uh, dosed or something. Okay, first of all, I've never heard of Spam House. Yeah, apparently it's a company that, uh, you know, tracks spam and uh, maintains lists of domains that, uh, are very spammy. So apparently they had uh, blacklisted this one company, uh, I think in the Netherlands or something. And like some people got mad, and Spam House got a denial of service attack. Huh, interesting. So I'm not exactly sure all the details. I, I, I will admit I haven't exactly read up on this. Uh, well, you don't even have an article. Yeah, because there's, like, so many of them. Well, pick one. Yep. So, anyways, uh, you know about Unreal Engine 3? I do know about Unreal Engine. So, uh, apparently it's probably the most popular game engine of the past, I don't know, Decade. seven yeah, I'd say so. Um, especially since, say, the 360 got released. Um, okay. And, and apparently it's uh, coming to web browsers as well. Um, huh. 
So, uh, courtesy of Mozilla, uh, they're working with uh, Epic Games to uh, port it to uh, JavaScript and uh, WebGL. So, so yeah, have well, I have I mentioned to you that I love WebGL? You have mentioned that you love WebGL. Just want to reiterate again, I love WebGL. What? I just want to say again that I love WebGL. Uh, I think I just cut off my volume somehow. Hey, can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Okay. So... So you love WebGL. Yeah. So Hmm. apparently a lot of other people do, too. I hope so. Otherwise, this is going to be a big waste of time. Well... Hopefully not, but, uh, you know, with some serious names behind it, like uh, Epic Games, you know, it'll get some traction somewhere. Mm-hmm. So. Highly optimized version of JavaScript. Yep. This well. will be really, really interesting to see, as long as it does not include DRM like um, SimCity does. Well, I mean, it is in a browser, so you kind of have to be online anyway, sort of like SimCity. So, I guess you got a point there. So, unless unless uh, there'd be, like, distributing these on CD-ROMs or something, but, you know. Anyways, uh, you remember Java, right? You mean that? Yes, I do remember Java. Whole bunch of security holes and stuff. Yeah, and it's on version 7, uh, and even now uh, details are coming out about version 8. So, I have an article here uh, going over some proposed uh, uh, changes. Uh, Project Lambia. Lambda. That's what they're yeah, called. close enough. But, uh, yeah, um, apparently they're going to be doing a lot about uh, first-class functions, uh, which are, you know, is essentially a uh, language where functions can be passed around like any other kind of object, which I'm absolutely clueless as to why Java doesn't already have this. So that I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of why you need it in the first place. Um, like if you have an event handler, uh, you can just write a method instead of writing a whole new class. Okay. So, uh, hmm. so along with that, you get stuff like lambdas, which even even at this point, I'm not exactly sure what lambdas lambdas are. Aside from an anonymous, really small function. Hmm. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of other classes and features going to be, or rather proposed to be added. So, again, these are proposed changes. They're not exactly set in stone or anything. Okay. So, well, and looks uh, like you have some more learning to do. So, uh, Ryan uh, mentions that the syntax for the lambdas is uh, very foreign, and I agree. 
And, uh, you know, it'd be also be nice to have uh, generator functions, although it's kind of possible to do this sort of same thing right now uh, by implementing iterable and iterator. Did you hear that Gabe Newsom knew well is Microsoft next CEO? Really? Microsoft, Microsoft bought Val. Oh, yeah, I totally remember that. Um, I just, you know, went on one of my favorite uh, gaming news sites uh, and read about this. Uh-huh. So uh, what do you think that it will entail uh, for the industry? Um, uh, I you can either go A, a disaster, or B, a very successful thing because, well, Microsoft makes all of its products through not not the operating system, but all the add-ons. Right. So with the, with this Valve, namely Steam, it can corner the market yet again on software distribution. Hmm. Well, you might you might want to watch out for uh, you know stuff going on in Europe because apparently Europe just hates Microsoft. Yeah. I don't blame them. I mean, can you really imagine a uh, gaming ballot when you uh, fire up your new computer? A gaming what? A gaming ballot. <laughs> so, what are your options? Steam or... Let's see, there's Impulse, there's Origin... Oh, those ones. Uh, is Direct to Drive still a thing? Uh, there's, uh, you see, good old games. Let's see, is Game Tap still around? I'm not sure. Anyways. Huh. It, it would be a shame. Yeah. Well, be, look, be, be on the lookout for the new Steam logo in here in the next couple days. Um,. Or the uh, new CEO, um, it'd be nice to get uh, Mr. Developers, Developers, Developers out of there. <laughs> I mean, granted, uh, Gabe is a little bit fatter, but at least he's not bald. True. So, Yeah, and the picture on this thing, you could definitely tell those two chicks want him for his money. Yep. So, oh, I, I guess that's what you get for being successful. Yep. So, I wonder what will happen with uh, Steam on Linux. You can kiss that thing. Actually, no, you can... It'd still be there, because Microsoft will still make a profit. Yep. Um, sort of like uh, the uh, uh, Linux client for Skype. Yeah, I was thinking more the Linux client for Microsoft Office, but sure, we can go with Skype. Well, Skype already has a Linux client, uh, and they were just talking about uh, bringing Office to Linux. Mm. But uh, Steam is already on Linux, um, so yep. uh, this... Uh, and, and, and Steam's on Mac also. That's been on that for a while, so... Yep, so... Speaking of uh, Linux and gaming, uh, there is a database uh, that wants to try to have every Linux game on it. Uh-oh. Hmm. Cool. So, 
Um, I'm guessing that uh, most of these are... I'm not sure if they're through wine or what. All games. So, yep, it's... uh, If you uh, run Linux like uh, Squirrel does, uh, you might want to check this out. Hmm. Monster RPG 2. That was a good game. So, uh, speaking about Linux, um, apparently the International Space Station is uh, prepping up for a migration to Linux. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, the International Space Station is going to be run by Linux pretty soon. Which Interesting. Seems like the entire world is migrating over to Linux. Yeah, um, I'm actually surprised that... Uh, the ISS is not already powered by Linux, but uh, this is good news. So mm. up, up until now, it seems like it was uh, uh, running with Windows. <laughs> See a quote from the article, We migrated key functions from Windows to Linux because we needed an operating system that was stable and reliable, one that would give us in-house control. So if we needed a patch, adjust, or adapt, we could. That makes sense, because, uh-oh, space station crashed. Why? Blue screen. <laughs> or, or blue sky or something. <laughs> yep. So. Well, this is cool. Then again, I thought NASA was shut down. Uh, well... Pretty much the entire government got shut down, but I was able to get my uh, tax refund check anyway. Mm. So, haha, <laughs> suckers. Oh, well. Yeah, I finished paying my taxes. That was a. Uh, well, at least I got credit card miles, so. Mm. Anyways, uh. So, unfortunately, there's not really a supercomputer on the ISS yet. Um. But, uh, if you remember Roadrunner. Uh, it was the fastest com- supercomputer to come online in 2008, uh, was decommissioned on Sunday. Why? That seems like a very short-lived life. Well, I mean, the thing is five years old, and, uh, you know, stuff moves on, which, I mean, now come to think about it, five years is an exceptionally short life cycle for, uh, you know, pretty much any government technology. Yeah. I mean, even my computer is about four years now. So, uh, this uh, Roadrunner uh, had a very controversial architecture in it in that it had uh, a few Opterons and uh, along with some uh, cell processors in it. What does that mean for the people who can't understand and listen to this show. So, uh, the Opterons uh, were more general-purpose type uh, processors, uh, whereas the cell processors were very specialized, uh, but could uh, they could only run, uh, you know, only certain kinds of code, but really fast. And mm. if if you, of those of you who may recall that the cell processors were also used in the PlayStation Three, 
but apparently these uh, cell processors in the Roadrunner uh, was uh, quite was a little bit different. Uh, hopefully, faster. I'd imagine. Hmm. Interesting. So, what are they going to do with the Roadrunner parts? Sell them off? I don't know. So, but uh, with uh, that that much, uh, you know, that much hardware, you know, yet you have to remember that the, you know, even over five years, that the failures uh, would be substantial. So, I mean, sure, it, sure, it started off with uh, six thousand five hundred sixty-three Z. Uh, was it Opterons, not Zeons? Uh, Opteron processors. You know, you know, a good maybe 500 of them would have gone bad or something. Hmm. But, uh... Interesting. Um, let's see, this was part of the... Uh, let's see, where was this at? The National Nuclear Security Administration's Advanced Simulation and Computing Program. Uh, let's see... Shortly after installation at Los Alamos National Laboratory, um, see, I, I recall that. Uh, see, there was another computer called uh, Titan that uh, recently went on. Correct, I remember Titan. Well, we 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 did a report of Titan a little while ago. Yeah, and that was actually upgraded from an older uh, cluster. So, who knows? Yep. Well, farewell, Roadrunner. Yep. It was nice never knowing you. <laughs> so the ZFS on Linux Reach version 0.61, and comma, and, quote, dot, and, dot, dot. <laughs> okay, Mr. Punctual. Um, is ready for a wide-scale de- deployment on everything from desktop to supercomputers, dot, quote, yay, Exclamation mark. So for those of you who were sort of bored, uh, ZFS <laughs> is now ready to go uh, on uh, your Roadrunner supercomputer now. Uh-oh. So, A little too late. <laughs> so, uh, you know, ZFS is a uh, marvelous uh, file system uh, in that it's... Uh, uh, runs uh, quite a bit of extra stuff on your file system. Uh, most notably, it has uh, checksums uh, that, you know, sort of uh, add on to, uh, let's see, like the error uh, detection that's already on your hard drive it, uh, already. So if, uh, uh, you know, a bit accidentally gets flipped for some reason, like a stray cosmic ray or something, uh, that this would be able to detect it. And, uh, let's see, it also has a few raid modes. So, uh, let's see, as far as I know, uh, ZFS does not allow, uh, uh, drives to be taken offline, uh, whereas, uh, BTRFS does. And it's, uh, uh BTRFS is quite a bit more dynamic than ZFS. Uh, but this is definitely a step in the right direction from the old uh, storage architectures. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I hear, 
the uh, RAM requirements for ZFS are really substantial. Uh, something on the order of about a gigabyte of RAM per terabyte of uh, drive space. Hmm. Uh, because it uses uh, deduplication, uh, which essentially, if you have two files which are the exact same uh, stuff, like correct, um, that uh, uh, the deduplication will realize that, hey, these are the exact same files, and it'll point to only one copy instead of having two distinct ones mm-hmm. to, in order to save disk space. I have a question. If you name the files different, would it still detect it? Yes, because it would be on the block level of the data, whereas the name would be only in the file system uh, structure. Alright, so what happens when you modify one of them to something different? Will it add that in because it's no longer the same? Okay, so uh, let's see. I'm pretty sure that ZFS has this. Uh, BTR definitely has this. It's called copy on write. So what that means is if you change a file, a completely new file gets written. So it's pretty much kind of an auto-version control? Sort of, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I could definitely see it being useful at work. So now you have... uh, a use for uh, only using about uh, say now you have a use for the 80% free drive space hmm well I'm still trying to fill up my 3 terabyte hard drive uh, oh I thought you had that much porn already oh no 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 they're all gone <laughs> I have Let's see how much free space do I have. Yeah, you can keep rambling on and let me calculate this. So, uh, your code might work, but it might still suck too. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, you can attest to this as well as I can. uh, That even though code works, it still kind of sucks. Yep. So, let's see, who is this? Uh... Andy Patrizio uh, uh, sort of goes over the uh, source code from uh, Doom 3, uh, Quake 4, and like all the other id engines, uh, mm. and admiring the uh, the quality that is there uh, compared to, well, pretty much everything else. Um, uh, one thing that he points to is the coding style document that serves as a guide for uh, John Carmack and those who work for him. Uh, you know, especially in the uh, the variable naming and the type naming. Variable namings and type namings are extremely important. I will attest to that because I deal with those on a daily basis. So, uh, let's see. Uh, there's this guy, uh, Kennedy. Um, I'm not sure who he is or where he's from. Uh, I think it's really important to agree on these things beforehand because they are arbitrary things like uh, naming things that end in underscore T or start with id class name and so forth. You would never arrive at a common code base 
because they would have uh, by accident or organically. Mm-hmm. Well, one, one thing my company's doing, the well, company I work for, I really wish it was my company. Mm-hmm. I'd be rich. But one of the things they're starting to do is standard document, well, standard coding, naming convention, database convention, table conventions. Everything is starting to be standardized. And it has to go through code review also. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So. Because it's, it's really hard if in one table you got ID and another table you got table name underscore ID and another table you got ID table name no underscores. Ah, oh, it just gets the mess. Yeah, and, so. and uh, like I'm not sure if it's like this over in the Microsoft world or not, but uh, you know, working with a lot of Oracle databases, that a, uh, a lot of Oracle administrators like to uh, have column names that do not have vowels. So, hmm. That would just make it really, really difficult. It it does. Um, uh, see, when I arrived at my last job, uh, they actually included vowels in their uh, uh, table names and column names, and it was really nice to you know be able to easily read and not have to guess uh, what uh, what that column was for. Okay. Well, on another news, I'm only using 715 gigabytes out of 3 terabytes. How nice. Yep. And one-seventh of that is dedicated to games. So, uh, now that you realize that your code sucks, um, you ask what makes beautiful software. And uh, this is uh, not just from a coding side, but more from a user standpoint. And it's basically three things. Integrity, usability, and innovation. So integrity uh, means that it does one thing and one thing really well. It stays true to what it does. Um, This is essentially the Unix philosophy of uh, doing things. And it's... Well, you can also say this is an object-oriented with classes and methods... Oh, don't fool yourself. I'm not fooling myself. Well, that's what it's supposed to be, but in practice, it hardly ever is. Well, it's supposed to be this way. If you're smart enough, you would do it this way. So, for uh, example, the conne- the connection class. The connection class? Uh, I, that's in the next few ones. Yeah, Skip I think- it. I think that is. So, uh, integrity, you got usability, uh, you know, that's pretty obvious. Uh, beautiful software that teaches you the dance, even though you are new to the music. Uh, and innovation, uh, something that, uh, you know, a problem that you have that is, you know, that it should solve in new and amazing ways. Hmm. So. So. Uh, speaking of uh, new and amazing things, um, have you heard about HTML5? 
Yes. So the new every version. Time, every time I open up PNC Wallet, it says HTML5. Give us a while to load. <laughs> okay, that's. You see, I'm I'm. I want to say that's not how it is, but then again, HTML5 doesn't really give any kind of speed guarantees. Yep. Um, so one of the big things is that uh, there's quite a bit more semantic stuff going on. Uh, but, you know, for you know other little custom things, you need to get inventive with your uh, ID and class names and your HTML. Uh, so uh, several search engines have got together and created schema.org. So uh, the schema.org has a collection of a bunch of uh, HTML schemas uh, for a lot of different things. So uh, for a lot of different types anyway. So like there is plenty of things uh, for, you know, audio images and videos, events, uh, health types, organizations, people, places, and stuff. Uh-oh. I see Google's a part of the search engine. I'm not sure we can rely on this for too much longer. Yeah, I heard Google's looking at, uh, you know, getting out of the web search arena. Yep. Oh, well, continuing. So, uh, you know, if you ever write HTML, that's uh, something you can keep in mind. So, uh, as uh, Chris was jumping ahead there, uh, here's another yeah, reason. Sorry. Here's another reason you should not name your classes whatever manager. So, uh, this article here describes uh, sort of in the vein of the nouns in Java Land article uh, that uh, you know. Suppose you have you know you have a requirement that says that you need to have a connection to somewhere, and then more and more requirements get stacked on there, like this class needs to, you know, deal with uh, multiple connections, and and then suddenly there's synchronous and asynchronous connections, and, like, all this and more, when this class was just originally designed to be, uh, uh, you know, just to hold one connection. Mm-hmm. So, so instead, you should just name it a clear, precise thing. If a new function does arise, make a new class. Yep. So uh, you can actually sort of take a uh, tip from me uh, because I have sort of taken this to heart, uh, especially with my blog engine, which you can now find on GitHub. Yes, I am Pittsburgh hipster here. So, uh-oh. Uh, uh-oh, indeed. No, oh, no, I have my monitor right here. Okay, what are you doing with your monitor? Uh, trying to clean up some stuff. Uh, so I have, uh, released my, uh, blogging engine, which I call Toilet, uh, on GitHub. So it's, uh, basically a collection of SQL scripts in Java. Uh, not so much JavaScript, though. So, uh, if you, uh, you know, at least know the basics of how to use uh, Glassfish and Postgres, uh, you can go ahead and fire this up and see what it does. 
Hmm. Cool. So, I'll have to look at it sometime. So if you uh, look in the uh, main toilet project, go into the sources Java toilet uh, directory, you see some of my class names, uh, like class controller, index fetcher, sitemap provider, time map setter, or time format setter. Wow. And if you go into the Bean directory, you have stuff like article state cache, backup daemon, entry repo, file repo, spruce generator, util bean. Although that, uh. although that util bean is sort of generic, but that's, that's sort of where all the junk goes that I can't place anywhere else. <laughs> well... I I have a particular project I worked on at office, and man, I gotta say everything looks horrible. Class step one, class step two, class step three, class step three a. For for additional requirement upon class three, <laughs> class four, class five, class six. Hmm. Class AO. That's uh, definitely a code smell there. Yep. But, yeah. Nobody else would be reading my code, and it would just be deploy once, never ever update again. (laughs) So, uh, in our continuing crusade against very bad passwords, um, someone over at the security... When did we start a crusade? Um, I wasn't. I wasn't aware we'd be fighting assassins. Oh, this is. We aren't talking about assassins here. We're talking about absurd password length stuff. Ah, okay. I uh, remember that one time I went to Progressive. Yes, you. That's why I thought your car insurance came from somewhere else other than AAA. So. Uh, yes, oh, I do remember. So, anyways, over at IT Security Stack Exchange, uh, someone asks, uh, what technical reasons are there to have low maximum password lengths, like eight characters? And uh, apparently the most uprated uh, answer uh, has a story that involves uh, some chimps yep. and a ladder. And you know, oddly enough, my boss... Uses this anytime, uses this exact analogy anytime we say that's how it's been done before. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. Go so, for it. So there's five chimpanzees in a big cage, uh, and there's some bananas uh, hung from the roof of the cage. Uh, the chimps uh, also have a stepladder in the cage, uh, but there's also a proximity detector on the bananas. So when a chimp goes near a banana, uh, water hoses are triggered and the whole cage is thoroughly soaked. So a chimp does this and everything gets soaked and they and the chimps learn that the bananas in the stepladder are best to be ignored. So, you know, over time, uh, a chimp gets swapped out. Uh, the noob uh, has, you know, doesn't know anything about the hoses or the water. He just... Sees a sees bananas in a stepladder, so being smart, he uh, realizes that if he climbs a stepladder, he can get to the bananas, which 
he uh, grabs a stepladder, and the other four chimps uh, jump on him and start to beat him up. So he learns to ignore the stepladder. So over time, this process happens, you know, a few times, such that all of the all of the chimps are swapped out uh, for new ones. So uh, after a while, you have five chimps who are ready to punch any other chimp who touches the stepladder, but none of them know why. So at, yep. th- at this point, none of them know why, and all of them are dry. <laughs> so, yep. so the thinking about that goes, originally some guy somewhere working on an old Unix system from the previous century uh, used the old DES-based crypt which is a password hashing function derived from the DES block cipher. In that hashing function, only the first eight characters of the input are used, and even then only the lower seven bits of each character. Uh, everything else is ignored. That's, ban- uh, that, that's the banana, and the internet is full of chimps. <laughs> you know, there's kind of a similar kind of thing that goes on in my, well, kind of saying in my family, more of a joke. So, actually not scratch that. I sort of liked where that was going. Huh? I sort of liked where that was going, though. Alright, fine, I'll I'll, I'll tell it. So, there was this tradition that whenever you cook off, whenever you cook a ham, you cut the end off before you put it in the oven. Oh, yeah, I know about this. So I, I told you? I think I heard it from somewhere else. All right. So, anyways, this, this, this one lady decided, one daughter decided to question why, so she asked her mom, and her mom said, well, that's the way my mom always done it. So she asked her grandmother, and her grandmother said, well, that's the way I've, my mother always did it. So she asked her great-grandmother, and her great-grandmother said, I cut off the end of the ham so it would fit in the oven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it only went back uh, one generation just to the grandma, and she said the pan was too small. The, the pan is too small, but either way, question tradition and question everything that has always been done that way. Yep. That's actually what I'm really doing at work a lot nowadays, changing everything so it's more effective. So, um, I guess uh, the prophecy is fulfilled. And uh, as we had predicted only a few episodes ago, Google is finally closing YouTube. Can you believe it? We were yes, so, I can. We are so totally right on that. Yep. So, man, and a uh, good thing, too, because it sucked so much on Fios. Uh-huh. That's like the there's, worst thing. There's so many other hundreds of better sites to go to. Yes. So, uh, so uh, uh, instead, uh, Google Maps now has a treasure map mode. Oh, you know, I gotta say, I tried this yesterday, and man, did I find a lot of gold. Yeah. It's uh, definitely, so, 
definitely a uh, interesting thing here. Cook. So check that uh. out. So and uh, also, uh, Google has announced the Google Nose beta. So apparently, Google has uh, figured out uh, how to uh, intercept photons with uh, like stuff in your keyboard to uh, produce smell. Huh. Interesting. And apparently, uh. apparently the uh, the uh, demo smell the. Uh, reference uh, smell is wet dog. Hmm. I I didn't get much out of that, though. I got more out of the horse manure. So. Because I don't know how to Huh. Scratch and sniff books. Man, I, rem- I remember sn- scratch and sniff stickers. I remember the scratch and sniff stickers. The books at the library were always dead. But yeah. they smelled like something they shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll leave it to your imaginations to uh, figure that one out. Yep. <laughs> so, hey, uh, there's other things that they can stop supporting in a week or so. Yep. So you know, I wonder when Google is going to stop supporting Google. Uh, no, Google will always be Google. They'll just you know find new things to make and destroy. Mm-hmm. Yep, I still have to find a replacement for Google Reader. Hmm. So uh, let's see. Moving on into uh, other news. Uh. Uh, yep. Again, back to the uh, security stack exchange. Uh, Writing your own password hashing is good, good, good. Well, uh, he asks, is my developer's homebrew password security right or wrong and why? So, uh, he asks, he, uh, you know, presents this, uh, you know, this function here. And, uh, he says that uh, he had already researched and built a fairly s- standard protocol around bcrypt. Uh, my protocol is not new, but it is based on tried and tested implementations that support millions of users. Um, let's see. Uh, that's apparently what uh, his the developer underneath of him uh, insists on using a homebrew script for hashing passwords. So apparently it just uses... Uh, you know, a little bit of MD5 and a little bit of SHA-1. Um, And uh, the uh, accepted answer says, Dave, you are not a cryptographer. Stop it. Uh, This method offers no real resistance against brute force attacks and gives a false impression of, quote, complicated, unquote, security. In reality, you're doing little more than than SHA-1 over the MD5 of the password plus assault. Uh, with a possibly broken and overly complicated hash, you seem to be under the illusion that complicated code gives better security, but it does not. So, uh, yep. stick, stick to tried and true and tested key derivation algorithms like PK, 
PBKDF2 or bcrypt, which have undergone years of in-depth analysis and scrutiny from a wide range of professional and hobbyist cryptographers. You know, with all of these cryptic passwords and stuff, I wonder if I have if I just store my password unencrypted, if it will just blow people's mind because they can't figure out the encryption. No, the first thing they're gonna do is try the plain text. Uh, you know, fun. So, and uh, you know, I I gotta come out and come clean about this in that. Uh, you know, since I released my uh, code on GitHub that, you know, I was like, okay, I need to go through this and sort of do an audit that I discovered I was storing sort of passwords in plain text. Now, granted, Shame I, on you. Granted, I didn't, you know, call this thing a password. You know, it didn't have a username associated with it, nor did I have blinking lights around it. <laughs> So I went ahead and uh, did a S-crypt on it. So, and I actually have uh, those in the, uh, the SQL script there uh, on the uh, GitHub that I have. You can see some uh, uh, S-crypt uh, hashes in there. Interesting. Uh, so I have uh, two lists of, uh, you know, whenever you do uh, systems administrator uh, type jobs uh, on Linux machines, that is. Uh, here's a few lists that might help you out. Uh, you know, simple commands that, you know, are quite useful. So, uh, can you tell me about this programming language index? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I was just looking at it. Uh, so... Programming Language Index is a list of all programming languages and where they stand in ranking of, I would assume, usability or how many people are using it. Uh, it seems like this is rated on actual real usage, uh, like actual popularity. Okay. So. Well, Java is number one. You know, I thought you said nobody liked Java back in school. Well... Then again, our school was only 300 people. Yep. In your, in your, I think you said, quote, we're not taking over the world. Or something. Hmm. Oh, well. C-sharp is number five. Down from position three. Let's see. PL-SQL is number 14. I believe that's the Oracle version of SQL. Uh, Transact-SQL, which... If I recall, is the Microsoft SQL Server SQL is yep. number seventeen. I I use that one a lot at work, but Transit SQL is a very very specific use uh, dialect. So, Something like that, yeah. Assemblies at so. position twenty up from twenty six. Yep. And People, you still use that. Well, they uh, need something to ring out all the performance from a Raspberry Pi. I guess so. Python's number eight. Yep. Um, let's see. This is for uh, March 2013, so this seems like a month old, but still sort of useful. Uh, Bash apparently went way up to number 12 from number 48. 
bash. Yeah, that's the uh, the terminal scripting on Linux. Does it have anything to do with Raspberry Pi or NASA start using it? Uh, it's heavily used in Linux, like everywhere in Linux. So, and Linux runs on Raspberry. So let's 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 dissect this chart because I selected I selected on Bash, and it gives you a nice chart over time. So it's, since January two thousand and twelve, it's jumped from point one five all the way up to one point oh three. Yeah. So, in fact, I think that I may have contributed a little bit to this in the fact that a that maybe two or three months ago that I wrote a bash script that would uh, download all of the Nexus TV podcasts. Mm. That would do it. So, and I uh, said, hey, Ryan, look at this. And then he made a, a something on GitHub. He made a GitHub repo just for that script. Hmm, interesting. But uh, apparently uh, he modified it a little bit because apparently he likes each podcast to be in its own separate directory. Oh, wow. But uh, whereas mine downloaded everything into one. So you got the ATN, you got the 8-bit, you got the fringes, you got the control structures and the universes, and you got the specials and everything like that, all in one directory. Which hmm. which I can sort of see the wisdom now in having it all in separate, because uh, there's only, say, 20 episodes of uh, control structure, but there's, like, what, 70 fringes? Something like that. So... Hmm... I well, see. I see what you're doing there, studio guy. <laughs> yep. Well, have you seen how to open Microsoft mic- microchips? Uh, sorta. Yeah, it involves some caustic solution and acids and stuff. Hmm. So, uh, see, I believe it's uh, Zepto bars. Uh, some guy over in Russia looks like. Uh, got a lot of uh, integrated circuits, uh, like sort of old, and uh, he uh, he uh, was able to open them up and uh, take some pictures of these uh, sort of old and classic uh, processors. Hmm, interesting. So. I think he has a 286 in here somewhere. Anyway, some you know pretty old, old stuff, and uh, sort of gives you, you know, a look into, you know, what, uh, you know, how computers are actually constructed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He uh, he does have a request here uh, that asks you know if you have any any old chips that you know aren't being used or are broken in some way that's you know he'd like to uh, open them up well i almost threw oh that's much better i've almost thrown away several a motherboard perfectly good working motherboard i i i have no need for it in fact i thought about throwing away my server also really 
Yeah, because quite, quite frankly, I'm never ever going to use them. Hmm. Remember what you were doing in September 1996? September 1996. How old was I? What year is it? It's 2013. Okay, that might help a little. It's. Let me go. Let me go get out my calculator. Well, you might want to go to Wolfram Alpha to help you out there. Let's see. 1996. So I was 17 years old. No, wait, that's um, years ago. No, that would be seven years old. So I was seven years old. Huh. All right. So, uh, personally, I was starting uh, the third grade. Uh, so uh, on or thereabouts in September 23rd, 1996, at some company, a file server... Uh, named Intel for some reason, uh, booted Netware 3.12. It had two 800-megabyte SCSI drives on it. Uh, mm. Last Thursday, uh, March 28, 2013, it was shut down for the first time since for an uptime of 6,030 days. Wow. A, mom a moment of silence, please. So, uh, this uh, Ars Technica forum member uh, apparently did this, and, uh, you know, um, see, I believe from this thread it said that no one was actually using this for, I don't know, the past ten years or something, but <laughs> somehow it was still on. So... Uh, oh, nothing wrong with that. Well... You probably shouldn't have a server on for 16 and a half years. Um, that kind of tells you that no, that you know, not only is it out of date, it's probably behind on its security patches. I have, I have a question. Was this at some company? Was it a government company? Uh, he doesn't say. Although... I'm pretty sure it was a government company. Although, if... You know, you might be able to derive that information if you look at uh, this guy's 4,000 other posts. You might be able to figure something out. Um, but, yeah, I assume that it's probably something like that. Um, so, you know, if you have a server up for a long time, it's not being patched. 
Uh, so it's a security vulnerability. Uh, but apparently this uh, file server uh, only used IPX instead of TCP IP. So, okay. So it was, you know, pretty effectively isolated. Hmm. Cool. So, and yes, Squirrel, I saw your, uh, your 3,737 days of uptime on that one Sun server. So, yep, I got, I, uh, let's see, this one uh, definitely has you beat there. So, uh, anyways, uh, it doesn't seem like Ryan wanted us to send us any uh, feedback. He's probably busy doing midterms or something. So, again, if, yep, you know, I pretty much assume if you're in college, every week is a midterm nowadays. Hmm. Oh, I'm, I am really happy I'm out of college. And have a job. And have student loans. I could do without those, but man. Anyways, if you would uh, like to contact us, use the contact link. And use the control structure for the show. And uh, some people think that uh, March 31st is World Backup Day. <clears throat> so, uh, no. Nope. Uh, this uh, World Backup Day, you know, promotes backups, of course, which, you know, there's, which everything is great about backups, but they're forgetting one thing. Every day, Every day. is Backup Day, specifically International Backup Awareness Day. So back up your stuff every day. Mm-hmm. And then, hi, Mom. Oh, hi, Mom. I'll be coming over there. Like tomorrow or something. Yep. Just just make sure you get this up before then. Oh, I definitely will. Definitely will. Um, let's see. I need to. Uh, let's see. I I neglected to uh, pick up the uh, icing from GFS today while I was out. But uh, you know, it isn't too late yet. Um, so yeah, I went in. Uh, Went and did some banking and uh, stopped by the AAA to figure out, you know, what to do about the new vehicle. Um, all all the while, while my truck was, or rather my mom's truck was uh, getting an oil changed and alignment and stuff like that. So, how much did that cost you? Mm, Two hundred bucks or so. Mm, not it, bad. It had quite a bit more done on it than that. Like, the transmission fluid got flushed and stuff. Oh, wow, then you really got a good deal. Yeah. Because I had a friend, he and she got their transmission flushed, and they said it cost them up around $800. Whoa. Um, did they go to the dealership to do that? Yes. That's why. Yep. So, uh, so yep, I'll be uh, heading over to my parents and uh, swapping vehicles. Um, cool. So, and as I mentioned in the fringe, apparently uh, AAA does uh, Pennsylvania licensing transfers, at least like vehicle registrations. So, yeah. oh, cool. And so, uh, so, you, so you're getting a car now? Yep. I'll be getting it uh, probably 
So I'll be signing the loan papers on Wednesday, and I'll probably yeah. be back here in Pittsburgh by around Friday. Sounds good. I have a question. Do you want a table? A buy a table? Mm, not in particular. I seem to have my table needs filled, although all of my tables are filled. I just need to clean them all off. Look, it's, it's PodCat. Yes, I see your PodCat there. And screenshot. Oh, who's a good kitty? <laughs> so, uh, I guess that'll be it for now. That seems to be a rather short podcast. But, uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the other from French. Yep. Alright. Well. So guess we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Bye. Adios.